Welcome to the Static Zone Podcast, where we discuss everything you watched back when TVs had a static snow cover channel before you popped in your VHS or switched over to Channel 3. You know, everywhere I go, there's always an asshole. It's Corey, a.k.a. Tornado Jones. Well, my plan went to shit. Hey, well, my plan went to shit. Let's see how you do. I'm Scotty Moe. I probably should reverse those now that I say them out loud, but... uh, Usually you do me second, I think. So, uh, uh, probably, probably, probably. So, so much for the monetization if that ever happens on YouTube. But uh, that's right, everybody. We watch Streets <laughs> of Fire. Can you tell by the matching shirt that I'm wearing to the poster? Actually, let me stand up so that the watcher, watchers, um, video people, watchers. I'm wearing a Proto Men shirt with the album cover of their Act Two, Father of Death. And boy, does it resemble the poster. Like, if we ever, ever interview them, Either together or if able, we're just like, hey, like in passing, because like I've met a couple of the Proto Men guys outside of their costumes, and I just was like walking in front of them. I was like, holy shit, it's them! And like, <laughs> I was like, next time I'm gonna be like, hey, you guys like Streets of Fire, 1984, critically acclaimed hit. So... <laughs> yeah, oh, and they'll be man. like, who but, told uh, you? Shush, shush, shush. Yeah, <laughs> everyone knows about this movie, but who told you? So. uh no, this was my pick, and this has kind of been in my bank for a hot minute. I've had this. I bought it. I found out a surprise. Found out about it through Red Letter Media. Big fucking whoop. Corey watches Red Letter Media. Yeah. Uh, Spoilers inbound, I bought by it. the way, before we don't say it. Yeah, I guess we 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 always like almost forget to say it. So. to this somehow. Yeah. It's right there. But yeah, we put... Yeah, but I always skip it, so... Okay, uh, but no, uh, I guess you want me to take the reins on this real quick. We'll get through the logistics that we talk about how much we fucking love this movie. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Okay, so the synopsis, which, by the way, I, I got a little picture here in our docket for us, but I also I have a DVD copy of the movie, and it's actually the one that Shop Factory used on their website, and I did not know that until about an hour before this recording. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, so amid a brooding rock and roll landscape, the Bombers motorcycle gang, led by the vicious Raven Shaddock, played by Willem Dafoe, kidnapped diva Ellen Aim, played by Diane Lane. Her hope for rescue lies with unlikely heroes, so- soldier for- of fortune, Tom Cody, Michael Pere, and his sidekick, the, two- the two-fisted beer-guzzling McCoy, played by Amy Madigan. That doesn't make sense. Okay, whatever. She Joined also doesn't drink a beer Man- once, but whatever. She always is doing shots. She does shots. That's true. That is true. Joined by Ellen's manager, Billy Fish, played by Rick Moranis, the trio plunge headfirst into a world of rain-splattered streets, hot cars, and deadly assassins. This cult hit features a razor-sharp cast and original songs written by Stevie Nicks, Tom Petty, and Rye Cooter, and performed by such greats as The Blasters and The Fix. Streets of Fire is a rock and roll shotgun blast to the senses. I love well, that final line, by the way. Like, that's yeah, really it good. doesn't say on there <laughs> anywhere that it is a musical. So that's that is less. Um, this is not a musical like I think we thought it was going to be. Uh, I thought people were going no. to be singing in the streets, but they were not, not theatrical. No. Uh, yeah. Um, so. But hey, we watched the also, trailer. We heard the theme song and we were hooked uh, or man, we really hoped that it would be something that would remind us of Proto Men or Meatloaf or Billy Joel or something along those lines. <laughs> I was afraid that the trailer had done everything that was cool in the movie. Like it showed yeah. us everything. Oh, and then actually, about... I'm sorry. I want to interrupt myself 
Not from earlier, because uh, we've already mentioned the Protoman like three times. If anyone, they're not as well known as they should be, but they are a group of people that uh, is a rock opera. If you took Meatloaf and Billy Joel and then combined them with a uh, concept album of post-apocalyptic Mega Man games, that's the Protoman. It's like 10 people on a stage doing this stuff. Basically. So, there you yeah. go. Rock opera. I could have just said rock opera uh, concept album, but yeah. They're very... They're very good, but even better live. Like they are the one one of the bands that you're just like you have to. I've seen them live like three or four times. They're really, yeah, really and good. it's gonna and sound based super, not far from me. So right, it's gonna sound super pretentious, but you have to have their album liners to follow along with the music the first listen because it tells a story. Like there's um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, instrumental only tracks while like a letter is being read or or not a le- or a scene is being depicted. It's yeah. There's no one out there like them, unfortunately. Probably leading actually, to why they are not as popular as they should be. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say too that I got I got snagged on their hits first. Like I heard "Light Up the Night," "The Will of One," all those. I heard those first, and I was like, "These are cool." And then my yeah. friend was like, "Yeah, those are rock operas." And I went, "Okay." And I just like <laughs> had to read everything up. Like, there's only like two, three. There's the cover opera album, and then there's like two actual uh, of their albums. But yeah, uh, we got teased something about that third one recently. They're teasing something every like three years. But uh, so, real quick, favorite Proto Man song? Mine is the Hounds. The Hounds is really good. Uh, Mine's actually off of the first album. I really like, uh, I think it might be The Will of One. Uh, it's where he belts Hope Rides Alone. It might be Hope Rides Alone, never mind. Uh, but like <laughs> when you first hear his, like, he gets like that. Because the main leader or the main uh, singer's uh, Panther. Panther. Yeah, just Panther. And he hits a note that uh, I have tried and never will be able to hit in my life. So... Ah, gotcha. Well, just wait till you have kids, have those removed, and then you'll be able to do it. Either that, yeah, that's true. We're just sucking like, like. Have you ever seen the video of the choir kid that sucks in a bunch of helium and then hits a really high note in church? No. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really funny. You should check it out. But anyway, it was a one time uh, thing. That's dangerous. All right. Yeah. So that was. Okay, uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> That'll be yeah. it for today. Uh. Anyway, back to Streets of it. Fire. Uh. Places you can watch this, uh, you can. It's streaming on all these platforms. We're about to say, uh, but none of them are free. I think all of them were like around four bucks, is what I saw. Uh, I rented so, mine on uh, YouTube, and I had a screaming at the cloud moment because I rented it. Uh, we're recording this a couple days after Christmas, by the way. I cool. rented it um, on the twenty third, and I knew okay. I was gonna watch it. We were gonna watch it that Friday night, and then busy Christmas weekend. And then watch it a second time um, Monday. And I'm like, I have nope. 48 hours or something. And yeah. Rachel's like, well, yeah, but you can't you watch it as many times as you want. I'm like, I don't know because YouTube and everything is garbage now. And I was like, I was getting mad before I realized I was able to watch it twice in a span of 48 hours. Some newer movies you can only watch once, but you have to start it in the 48 hour rental span that you have initiated um yeah maybe that's changed recently anyway i was screaming i was i was old man screaming out of cloud because i told her i was like this is how stupid it is remember when you could walk into a store you rented a movie and you just had it till you decided to not have it anymore but now 
It's harder with how more can. No, listen, it's you could keep it as long as you wanted to. Okay, yeah, but uh, you're not hearing what I'm saying, which is how correct no, I am about freedom. Are you? Do you not like freedom, Corey? Oh, here we go. I don't. Not with this free. No, this is too much freedom. Not possible. In the streets of fire. I think. I think the freedom. YouTube version might be the blue, the 2K that's on the Blu-ray because uh, the uh, version it's definitely I have decent had, quality. Yeah. Yeah, this version that I have is the 2003 DVD release by I think Universal, and uh, it is I'm pretty sure just the VHS copy because there there's a part where I remember it vividly because in my first viewing I watched this DVD version. And there was, remember the part where they're, I mean, like we said, we're going to get into spoilers anyway. Uh, but remember the part where they f first make their attack on the battery and they're coming back and he says, kill the lights and go under the bridge. Yeah. And they're just watching. Oh, no, this was before their battery, uh, uh, whatever. Okay. Uh, so they saw the motorcycles come by. Uh, mm -hmm. In that one, there's like an orange hue over the entire scene. In the newer version, it's it's not there. Like, it looks like more crisp and colorful and all that stuff. So. Oh. I don't know. Maybe it was just the way it was that good on that version. Sure. I, don't, no, I don't know. Sure. I liked both of them. So <laughs> did um, <laughs> does it say on that DVD like 20th anniversary or anything? Because if not, they should have waited one more year to do so. it. No, it's just like a regular DVD release. Uh, special features, which is slim to none. You have production notes, cast and film filmmaker bios, which, by the way, I checked those out. They're just stills. Like it shows the actor's yeah. name. Like it's not like it's right. like uh, a video or anything. Film highlights and theatrical trailer. Uh, luckily, the Blu-ray copy that I think we both own now just has they haven't come in yet has a lot more on them. Yeah, so... mine, on, mine is on its way. I bought it after watching this a second time. I bought mine yesterday, so <laughs> I went the regular version. I didn't really care for the steel. I did too. Design. Yeah. Nah. Mm -hmm. I'm good, but I want because on the Blu-ray version there is a full-length documentary on the making of this movie that came out in 2017 called something, something and six in strings or something shotguns and shit. Uh, shotguns and six strings shotguns shit and strings. shit strings yep <laughs> but uh, and then there's like another there's two fully documentaries on the Blu-ray. Of yeah. the making of the movie, and I'm just like, I need to see these. We probably should have waited to watch those for this podcast recording. So. It happens. Well, we can come back to it in the 50th episode and and totally oh, God, I remember incorporate that. it into the ranking. Well, the, uh, the thing with uh, documentaries and stuff like that is, you know, sometimes Shout Factory does stuff um, specifically for their releases, and mm -hmm. they'll also just throw on there whatever already was in existence because they're able to get the rights to it along with whatever else they're acquiring the rights to during the production. So um, right. there's there's stuff on there that's like from probably in between the theatrical release and then maybe it was something that was like only on TV and not on the VHS. And then your mm -hmm. DVD has one thing and that's going to also be on this Blu-ray, you know, stuff like that. You know, production. Thank, uh, <laughs> thank God for Shout Factory. So that's all yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah, we, you know... Maybe it's the caffeine talking, but part of me thinks we should ask them if we could just start mentioning them and do a discount code. <laughs> I mean, we started it on episode one. I'm going, I'm, I'm going back and doing stuff with the older episodes, and every episode we're like, "Hey, Shop Factory!" <laughs> like every yeah, single one of them. Yeah, every yeah, everything that 
every it's weird but like what guarantees what all what almost is a guarantee that we'll discuss a movie is whether or not it got a shot factory release and i said to rachel while we were watching this i was like the only time it's been otherwise is for don't panic because that was vinegar syndrome so yes mm-hmm. Any i other wonder have we had like a release what have we looked to see if joey had a shout factory release Probably. I haven't. Let me know when you're reviewing that episode. <laughs> it's coming up. It's coming up soon. So get mm-hmm. ready. It's coming up fast. <laughs> Speaking of coming up fast, that's all this movie did. Wham, bam, bam. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So also, like Numbers. we said, there's 2003 DVD release. Yep. Blu-ray. Uh, cast and crew. So we're going to get that. Uh, uh, we're going to go into Michael Perret, plays Tom Cody. Uh, he is from Eddie and the Cruisers 1 and 2. Uh, Funny enough, I found out in research for this episode, he is in Road to Hell, which is a 2008 movie done by Albert Pune, who recently just passed away, who is a B-movie legend director. Oh, well, uh, rest in peace. I did watch the trailer for that just before this, and it looks bad. He plays Tom Cody in it, so it's supposed to be a pseudo-successor to Streets of Fire I don't know if I want to watch it. So. Yeah, I'll I'll see it eventually if it comes across my path. But uh, it looked mm. like it was filmed entirely in front of a green screen. So, uh, knowing Albert Pune, it probably more than likely was. Albert Pune is also the one that directed Cyborg and directed uh, with Jean Claude Van Damme, and mm. he directed another movie you should look into. Uh, it's called Arcade. And it has a teenage. I've seen. Uh, what's his name they, from the Christmas Story? <laughs> isn't it a horror film? Yes. Get sucked into uh, <laughs> this thing is killing people by eating them. Essentially, kind of absorbing. Yeah, uh, it yeah. has a very young Seth Green in it as well. I don't I, know if it's. I think before we watched Robot Jocks or something recent, not recently, but at one point that came up in a uh, a search for other things. I think I was trying to find stuff that wasn't Evolver that could be in the same vein. Um, it was Evolver. <laughs> yeah, but it uh, but that so that did come across. Um, yeah, Road to Hell. I'm curious. See, I I can watch something that's horrible and still enjoy the original the source material. Um, but I did as can I find a video of the performance of the title track or whatever in Road to Hell, and it just doesn't have the same oomph that we're going to be talking about with this. So, but uh, let's get through these numbers and everything. Sorry. <clears throat> okay, you're you're good. I also put down here he was in the the two Blood Rain movies because great. He has been on record of being in many of Uwe Boll's movies, so it's all full fucking circle. Scotty is what it is. Great, just one more. He's he's checking. He's he's all right. Let's see here for the Static Zone. Um, uh, and yep, <laughs> Uwe Boll. Check that off. Yep, there it is. Do we have our? Sh- sh- we should if we get to a hundred episodes, we should just start our own bingo. Uh, yeah, right. Did the boys? Did the boys talk about Shout Factory on this episode? Did mm-hmm, they talk? Mm-hmm. Did they bring up their hate for Uve Ball? <laughs> yeah, coming soon to our merch store, the Static Zone Bingo Board. Write that down. Okay. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> anyway, uh, going on, Diane Lane, who plays Ellen Aim, she's from The Outsiders, The Perfect Storm, and the Lonesome Dove TV series. We have good old Rick Moranis, who plays Billy Fish, which, by the way, is a fantastic manager name. Uh, He is from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Ghostbusters, Strange Brew, and I didn't put it on there, but I'm not going to forget about it, as also Spaceballs, uh, some of his main ones. 
We also have Amy Madigan, who plays McCoy. She's from uh, she's been in Field of Dreams, Uncle Buck, and Gone Baby Gone. We have Deborah Van Valkenburg, who plays Reva. She is from The Warriors, Quantum Leap, and Too Close for Comfort. We have good old Bill Paxton, who plays Clyde from the hit movies Twister, Terminator, and Aliens 2. Uh, also, Titanic and a butt-ton of other fucking movies. Mm-hmm. And the reason I wanted to watch this movie, the whole reason I even wanted to even check it out, was for Mr. Willem Dafoe, who plays Raven Shaddock, which is such a good antagonist name. Uh, from the movies Platoon, Spider-Man, The Lighthouse, and about 50 other thousand movies. So, Yeah. Uh, it's also, also directed by Walter Hill, which uh, I have a little bit of trivia. We can get into the, him a little bit later. It's also written by Walter Hill and Larry Gross. And getting into the numbers, which is where the information about the movie gets a little sad. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, the estimated budget, again, most of the time when we talk about these numbers, they're from websites that we find online. So if they're like, if you're like, that's not the right number, uh, let us know and we won't comment back to you. So, uh, but it's estimated $14.5 million budget. Uh, domestic opening weekend. Uh, this movie released on June 1st, 1984. It only grossed $2,426,000. And domestically, it only reached $8,089,290. There weren't really any international... So what's weird is the websites we used didn't really have any international numbers on it, but Mm -hmm. there is trivia showing that Japan really liked this movie. So there's a disconnect somewhere. Uh, But yeah, basically, budget was uh, $14.5 and it, it didn't even... It didn't even make its money back, which well, is completely unfortunate. Let's go to the weekend domestic chart, and we will see a hundred percent why. Yes, uh, yeah. I'll read down. Uh, I mean, I'll read down all twenty-one that we have here because they're mm. all. It's all. It, you'll see. Now, before you start, but, I do want to point out that opening day, this movie, it's still, it's in the top ten. It's number five. It's yeah, not that's bad. Good. That's cool, but. Going into these heavy hitters that Scotty's about to say. So. Here we go. Heavy hitters we didn't know were going to be heavy hitters until they were. Uh, Star Trek Three: Search for Spock, Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom, The Natural, Breaking, Streets of Fire, Once Upon a Time in America, Romancing the Stone, Police Academy, 16 Candles, Footloose, Splash, Firestarter, Gray Stro- Stoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes, Moscow on the Hudson, Alphabet City, The Bounty, Love Letters, Making the Grade, This is Spinal Tap, Up the Creek, and Weekend Pass. This is Spinal Tap, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, Splash uh, is a bad movie. Uh, unless you're a Tom Hanks fan, that's the only reason to watch it. It's got a lot of stars in it, but man, what was he thinking? <laughs> I get Splash and Mannequin mixed up, so that's my um, bad on that one. <laughs> yep, Splash stars the female... Um, uh, Revert, uh, that's not what they're called. What are they called in Blade Runner? But the girl with a white wig in Blade Runner is the. Oh, okay. Uh, I know you're talking about. Splash. Um, Replicant. I almost said Reploids. But that's Reavers from are <laughs> from Firefly and Serenity. <laughs> but yeah. That's true. That is true. Um, so. Yeah, man. Ro- Romance in the Stone. I mean, an Indiana Jones movie, a Star Trek movie. What are you going to do? This is smack dab in the middle of the summer so which would make sense search for spock was huge because of how the second movie ended so 
Probably. Everyone was going I don't to see know. that movie. I don't, I'm not uh, up with Star Trek. I'm I'm the cool hipster sci-fi geek that doesn't care about Star Trek or Star Wars. So loving everything that's happening in the Disney world right now. <laughs> it makes me mad what's happened to Star Trek and Star Wars, but I'm not going to get into it. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, like 16 Candles, the first Police Academy, Footloose. So, I mean, that honestly, those two right there, 16 Candles and Footloose, like half the reason and these were- this went nowhere. Yeah, and that's probably uh, not their opening week either. They've probably been on the board for no, weeks now. No, the only ones that are rapidly. new are Once Upon a Time in America and Star Trek. Uh, 60 Candles, it was a fifth week, Footloose in the ninth week. So maybe this should have waited. Or maybe it should have come out earlier, I don't know. Like, I'm still... And maybe the documentary will go into... Because I'm going to watch those documentaries when I get the Blu-ray in. But I want to know specifically... I do know from reading some of the factoids and stuff that... The, the production was grossly over budget uh, due to... I mean, they uh, basically borrow a city. So... And and they also create... They don't just do day for night. They built a, like, million-dollar tarp to put over their sets. Oh, right, Like, right. basically the entire city so they could, like, basically film at night but be during the day. So... I think if they had... Because this was after Blade Runner, like, shortly after, mm-hmm. I think... If they had literally advertised it as if Blade Runner was a rock and roll musical, this would be it, you know, like because it aesthetically parts of it feel like Blade Runner, the set pieces. Um, Well, speaking of what it looks like, I mean, I guess we can get into it because when I was because we're going to bounce all over and the plot is super simple. Basically, there's a rock show. The pop diva that's performing gets kidnapped after the main song after one song bikers just go in it's almost entirety yeah because it's a shit show of a town they steal the diva and um girl who works at diner sends a letter to her brother who shows up out of nowhere to get her back because there's romance between them and all that well yeah i mean but that's it yeah i was watching this this entire time and i was just like this is Double Dragon. This is what I was watching the entire time. I'm just oh, like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Double Dragon, Streets of Rage, uh, Final Fight, all those have been noted. I was trying to find on Double Dragon, but I'm just saying it out of my head. I'm like, this has to be... Double Dragon took inspiration from this movie. I kept forgetting to look that stuff up. Even Rachel said to me that it was, this inspired it somehow, or she like heard about that briefly. Uh, so that, that says something that like she looked it up quickly and found that. Um, that is true yeah so but i i wasn't going too deep i yeah well i don't know i probably could have gone down and probably will after this and like once i review the audio portion or once i edit the audio portion um it's just that we watched this on an insanely busy weekend um so i didn't get to do a whole lot as much research as i uh wanted to but um the but yeah no the really though before we go into this our introduction to it was literally the theme song which is like female meatloaf uh like i i was waiting for the lyrics to um paradise it's on the paradise dashboard on, to suddenly it's on the dashboard without meatloaf is what it so, is so there you go so stevie if you're listening fucking check this out he he has gone on record as saying quoted that entire song to me multiple podcasts so it's a good that is a good song. Yeah, because yeah, like it doesn't when make I, for good podcasting, but <laughs> no, it doesn't at all. Uh, when I listened to the theme song, uh, I was, was spo- like not spoilers, but surprise. I've been listening to this song like every goddamn day since I heard it. 
Uh, and the reason that I even know about this movie is... Darling, darling! Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, right. Uh, there was a part, I forget what episode it was, but Jay from Red Letter Media had brought it up at some point. He was like, Streets of Fire is this... Cause, oh, he was talking about like an ensemble of different, like an ensemble cast of different characters that all have their specific roles. Mm-hmm. And I was, and he was like, "There's a movie that already does that. It's called Streets of Fire, and it didn't uh, do well." <laughs> and I was I mean, like, which, "Wait, so what?" When they were talking about what movie? Sorry, some B movie they were okay. watching that was doing what this movie did, but worse. So uh, yeah, that's hard to man. That's. That's hard because just core because there's so much choreography and mm-hmm. yeah I don't know it's it really this really did have I I'm a fan of musicals I was a theater kid during high school and um and some of college what? a little bit but <laughs> yeah shut up uh but uh it, it's so hard to but this is a, a musical without like it has the musical atmosphere without the cast bursting into song yeah even though they do you know what i mean yeah Mm -hmm. well only because they're one of them's a singer is on stage so (laughs) yeah uh but i also didn't want to forget going back and when we were my wife or hallie and i which yeah she's my wife we sat down and we watched this i hate you (laughs) sorry just trying to create some Uh, topical filler yeah Stop making me cough, damn it. Rachel Rachel also enjoyed this. Um so yeah. Yes, we both enjoyed it. What we were going to what I was going to say was at first I was like is this movie taking place in the 50s because it has greasers and like goody two shoe people and all that like people Pompadours. from the 50s. Boy the Pompadours. That was the first thing when Bill Paxton characters come in we went, "Whoa, that Pompadour is rocking." <laughs> Yeah, it yeah, is yeah, yeah. comically too big. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Whoa, that pompadour is played uh, by Bill Paxton. You know, yeah, that pompadour stepped in Bill Paxton. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but anyway, uh, we were like, "What? When is this movie supposed to take place?" Because like at one point you're like, you think it's the 50s, and then the next point you're like, "Oh, it's the greedy 80s." Like, what the right. fuck are we doing? And but then they mentioned the was... war because they were soldiers, so it's like, oh, it's got to yeah. be the 50s again, right after WW2, you know? Yeah, something like that, or even like, like I was watching it, and I was like, I could see that or there was even, a clear, I like, distinct. Yeah. Sorry, I was gonna say like maybe even the 70s oh, after Nam. I don't know. So I'm not know. sure. Also, maybe it just takes place in a fanical, fantastical well, Chicago is what it, it does, is. So. It does say in another time, another place, and then I was things i was trying to quickly research was like so it just takes from like a pseudo 5080s and blip that's yeah, the... it just morphs them together yeah so and it it works really well i will say it works really really well sure uh because also like to set up everything where we're located is a place it says another time another place the only reason i say it's chicago is because a lot of the trivia said it was based and some of it was filmed in chicago okay. uh but I also want to say, too, that it looks very that dystopian where you have your yeah. districts. So you have the battery district, which is like where uh, the bombers and all the bikers are at. You have the Richmond district, which is like the 50s, happy go lucky, everybody and all that stuff. And it reminded me of that. Remind, a lot of Final Fantasy seven because Final Fantasy seven has like districts and stuff like that, or even like Akira, which I want to say there's some trivia somewhere that says like. Akira is kind of very loosely based off of some of the stuff in this movie as well. Uh, again, okay. it's trivia. Take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
but yeah, the the beginning op the opening. I just have to say, first of all, the 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 live performance of the main title track is amazing, and then just the introduction of Willem Dafoe is absolutely brilliant because Willem Dafoe is a very recognizable person, even in his young age. He ver- but yeah. they also make him look like a fucking vampire in this movie. So, oh his- well, I was trying to. Um... I was trying to uh, uh, point, not point out. I was trying to place his hair, and he looks like mm-hmm. a cobra. That's what it is. He's a snake. That's what it. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Damn it! And I'm mad that he. It took me until now to figure that out. Yep. But yep, the yep. way he's introduced is he's him and his crew come into the concert and they just burst in because fuck it, they're bikers. They do what they want. They're the bombers. Mm-hmm. And when the song starts to fade out, he and his crew is just silhouetted in shadow, but the light comes up on his face slowly. And I was just like, ooh, that was good. Like, that was just, it looked good. Yeah. Like, way yeah. of cinematography is what it was. Yeah, I don't know how, but this should have been a, a Broadway musical because I think it would have done better if that had happened first. But I don't know. I mean, anything's possible as a musical. You get around stuff creatively and it's sometimes more entertaining. So, but that's... Again, the other kid. I don't know. So, uh, yeah. Very yeah, good. Old, oh, hold on. I got, I got, I wrote fucking notes this time. That's why I didn't send them to you. I actually wrote them with pencil. So. All right. And and I'm the <laughs> oh, older one somehow. Shut up. So first thing I said was what time era does this take place? I said the fucking soundtrack is amazing. Where'd you get the, nice. what's that say? Uh, it says Danvers. Ooh, it says Danvers, but it's a Taco Bell logo. Oh my god! All right, how much beer did you get on everything? <laughs> uh, it's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, but no, Life yeah, I wanted to say mm-hmm. I put Willem Dafoe's entrance, and I just put in parentheses "Chef's Kiss" is what I <laughs> pretty like, good. It was just the gang. It sets pretty it up. damn good. That's the thing is a lot so- of this is set up. A lot of intros are done. A lot is said without words in this movie. A lot of storytelling is accomplished within either a very quick amount of time or with just like a small line of dialogue or like, we don't need like a 30 minutes. Se- the scene, the scene that happened was about, I would say what, about 10 minutes. Like the opening scene is maybe 10, 12 minutes. That um, would have gone for like 30 minutes. Every- in a- to, to set everything up from the, sh- from the show starting to her sending a letter to her brother. Yeah. Yeah. That's but it would be there. like half the fucking movie if it was a movie nowadays. So right. Right. Gotta right, love right. that storytelling. I also want to talk about or something nonsensical. Anyway, yeah, the Star Wars text crawl. I want to talk about the the scene right after they kidnap her and the city is going into chaos because I don't know how many stunt stunt people got hurt in this, but it looks like there were a couple people that might have got ran over. There were a couple pedestrians that just got hit by a motorcycle. And I was like. There were a couple times where Hallie and I both went, oh, my God. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rachel PG said, movie. yeah, Rachel said, like, I hope these stunt people got paid well because shit, you know, As 84. So probably not likely. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that uh, scene was crazy. I love yeah, it. Yeah, just as crazy as the transitions. That wasn't like, as great. Swipes. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I think it's supposed to be audio like waves, but every sideways, time, every time I, I was great. thinking, man, this is perfect. This is flawless. Then <laughs> yeah. never mind. Whoops. Like, uh, I also want to point out the fact before we go any farther that all the music in this movie is like original move music made for the movie. 
Right. Uh, they were in works uh, with. You know, nope. One the the song that the I keep wanting to call them to the Temptations. Oh my God. The oh song, the Sorrels. Yeah, the Sorrels. Uh, one song yes, that they the sing is uh from somebody else, and I can't remember who. I'll, I'll look it up on my phone. Gotcha. Uh, there was at one point one of the songs was supposed to be by Bruce Springsteen, but they when Bruce Springsteen found out that they were going to re-record it for the movie uh he was like nope you guys can't use it now and i was just like oh okay that was what the i think what was it uh some of the information i saw was the ending song was going to be like i think the movie was going to be no his movie called like streets of fire i don't know if i put this trivia on here god damn it okay anyway it was based off of a bruce springsteen song that he was originally gonna let them use but then ended up not letting them use hmm Yes, I found it. The title came from a song written and recorded by Bruce Springsteen on his album Darkness on the Edge of Town. Original plans were for the song to be featured in the film soundtrack, but when Springsteen found out the song would be re-recorded by other vocalists, he withdrew his permission. So, Well, there you go. Yep. What are you looking up? Uh, I Can Dream About You, which is uh, by oh, yeah. Dan Hartman. <clears throat> and when Rachel looked it up, I was like, oh, I went to high school with him. And I did. I did go to high school with a kid named Dan Hartman, though, not to <laughs> make a joke. Oh. <laughs> but it's a pretty common name, but it's not the same person. Um, but right. Okay. They're trying to look up the origin of this song. Um, well, while you do yes. that, I can go ahead and go into the next scene. So we we meet Reva who immediately I was like, I think that's the girl from the Warriors. And I looked it up and I was like, yep, I was right. And uh, it made me feel old because I'm like starting to remember like actors of like, it's kind of like when you're doing like voice, like listen, watching a lot of anime mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, I know that voice actor. Now I'm starting to do that with actors in these older movies that we watch too. So gotcha. anyway, uh, she sends a letter out on typewriter we get a cool little voice not a voiceover we don't need a voiceover because we had the typewriter uh but we got a good uh good music there's like always music playing throughout the entire movie there is one part that i'm going to talk about where i didn't know what the fuck they were doing with the music or the sound effects because it was just a dialogue scene and oh, oh. it's actually when tom cody shows up so she uh, sends a message to her brother sends a, uh, an old email is what i'm gonna say for the young kids nowadays uh Saying, hey, we need you home. Come, I need, we need help. And he shows up. And is he supposed to be a country boy? Because he looks like, I mean, denim cut off and corduroy pants. Like, <laughs> and the suspenders. suspenders. The suspender game was strong in this movie and not to its benefit. <laughs> Allie goes, why are his pants above his belly button? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and why does he look like he didn't shave for like half a day? Not even a five o'clock shadow. It's like he it's like a, he tried to grow a beard and that's what happened. It looks like um, that early 20s when you can't really grow one and it's just a little patchy. So. Yeah, but it, it but it fits his character. So I'm sure they that's why they why they did it or why they let him do it or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but the but his introduction scene is great because it's basically oh, the back yeah. to the future diner scene, but only in Marty McFly's favor. Because he just straight up slaps the dude a bunch of fucking times. <laughs> yeah, the dude. It's another gang, another some kind of other gang that shows yeah, up. And it's, it's the tunnel assholes. snakes. Who fucking cares? What are they called? What, yeah. No, I had their quote. He, I, I actually wrote them down, or I wrote it down here because uh, I thought that was hilarious. Um, let's see here. 
Oh, where did it go? Let me scroll up a little bit. Transitions. Ah, the Roadmasters are hungry. And when we're hungry, we eat. That's what they the said when they walked masters. into uh, to uh, oh, uh, not Rosario, Don Rosario Dawson's diner. She looks like Rosario Dawson. She does a little yeah. bit. It's mm -hmm. uh, she has very pronounced lips. That's how I could tell like right away. I was like, she looks very familiar, but she hasn't acted a whole lot. She's done a lot of TV series, but not a whole lot of movies that I've seen. Yeah. Uh, what was her name? Deborah Van Valkenburg. Because yeah. I remember when her name came up, Hallie, Hallie and I go, that's a mouthful of a name. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we get that awesome scene. He slaps the guy about 50 times and uh, gets himself. I love car. the next scene. Yeah, you're like, this is the good guy. And he's like, I'm stealing this car and then we're going to go joyride. And I was like, ah, he's not a he's not a perfect protagonist. It's fine. <laughs> right. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, if you like Studebakers, then this is the goddamn movie for you because there's Studebakers out the wazoo in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. nice looking Studebakers, too. Yeah. I wonder how many red cars they actually had for that one because there's no way it made it through. It's just one car. But who knows? Budget. Maybe. That is true. That and had to go through a lot of motorcycles. So. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even talk about Rick Moranis' character yet. <laughs> Billy Fish. Oh, he's I never have really seen Rick Moranis play an asshole. Yeah, but I think take I kind of like it for us for a second. Oh, really? Watching, watching this twice couldn't take him serious either time. But yeah, the second time was a little bit better for me. I kind of just like looked at him as like a just an asshole, like record manager, basically. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. We'll have some trivia about that, too. So but yeah, we get introduced to him. He's like, oh, I'm coming back here to this shithole. I didn't we're doing a charity benefit. Let's do this and get out of here. I'm not even making any money off of this. And uh, yeah, he basically. I'm trying. I lost my train of thought. When you think about it, though, this town, even if they sold tickets, people would not fucking buy them. They would just fucking barge in because <laughs> this is a shit. Man, town. That's that's what Willem Dafoe and his posse did. So yeah. <laughs> they just walked right in. You wouldn't have made uh, any money even if you actually sold tickets. This ain't no Ticketmaster. This ain't no Taylor Swift. Sorry, buddy. Jesus. Anyway, she gets kidnapped. And he gets he gets punched out multiple times in this movie. <laughs> I got to give it to him. He's got No, he only Rick gets Moranis. punched once. What happened? Oh, the oh, that's right. In the beginning, he gets slid across the fucking floor. Yeah, and falls off the stage. What do you think you're doing? <laughs> Safe, you know, straight into home. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. That was that was really good. <laughs> yeah, no, he only gets punched once, and I remember that because it's earned. Like, like it's the build up to finally him getting knocked the fuck out. That's true. So, by oh, I one will of have the to say this movie. Hmm? I want to point out that this, you're right. <laughs> uh, the movie is rated PG, and I really do feel like it is to its detriment that it is rated PG. Uh, oh, okay. It's still very good. Like it's literally a movie. Like anybody an, can go and watch this. But it's an eighties PG. You gotta tell people that. That is true. You get a couple nips here and there. Yeah. You do get a couple nips. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, going back, uh, we're talking about. Uh, I, where do we do we want to just keep talking about cool scenes or do we are we gonna go through this uh, one scene by yeah, scene? Yeah, like I don't know. Did? I I don't know what you were doing because I was just looking at my notes and I honestly was just kind of going off on stuff. Okay, so, let's do it that way because I yeah. don't want to go through everything. That's fine. Uh, Bill Paxton's actual introduction is pretty great, though, when McCoy is sitting at a bar uh, with her crimped hair that just looks like a Cocker Spaniel under that horrible leather hat. She is. Yeah. She looks her part, I guess, because she really looks like she is homeless and doesn't give a shit 
about how she looks, but just trying to get well, through she's life. She's kind of a tomboy. That's um, that's what she is. So yeah, uh, that hair bothered me, but um, <laughs> that's what she wore a hat most of the movie. <laughs> yeah, a fucking leather flat brimmed thing. Um, but she knocks Bill Paxton out and just jumps over the bar, asks Tom Cody what he likes to drink. Tequila takes a bottle and they leave. They leave his friend's yeah. bar like him and Bill Paxton are buddies. But well, because he says your wonder... favorite line when uh, Bill Paxton is introduced or like formally. <laughs> I know I messed when I heard this on my second viewing, I messaged Scotty because Bill Paxton walks up and he goes, Tom Cody, how's your hammer hanging? <laughs> <laughs> and I just went, how's your hammer hanging? <laughs> That's <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> but I think it's one of those situations where they know each other, but it's not like they're not like real buddy buddies. Mm. Or maybe they're so buddy that he doesn't give a shit if he gets knocked out because he was talking shit. So... Maybe. Maybe, <laughs> but, maybe. Yeah, we get to meet McCoy. We get our first, like, first introduction to the first person joining the crew besides Tom Cody, which, by yeah, the way, this Tom movie. Cody goes through the JRPG aspects of just straight up building your party as you go through your adventure. <laughs> I mean, she's an ex-soldier and she knows how to drive. Boom, there's our driver right there and yeah. she can hold her own in a fight. So, perfect. She already has a weapon. Uh, Don't need to find one for her. Yep. So, let me see. Do I have any notes around that time besides Bill... I said Bill Pax's pop door. Uh, My only note I wanted after to say... that is black and white song memory because that made me laugh out loud. Yeah, I wanted to say everything in this movie, when you hear the music, you're like, it's almost, and then insert band name here. Because it's like, sure. oh, this is almost Chuck Berry. There is a song. It's the fight that happens in the diner. It goes, dun, 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 and I was like, is this uh, okay. fucking Chuck Berry? And then it quickly changes. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yep, yep. Uh, we also meet uh, Billy we... Fish that has a great introduction for you to hate him immediately because he says multiple times, we're not taking no skirt along and calls McCoy a skirt because she's just another woman to him. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. He does such a good job of being a dickhead. Like yeah. That's the whole movie. But he's important because he knows his way around the battery. So mm -hmm. he's the map. So that's the whole reason he's there. I will talk about later down the road where we pick up a couple people where I'm just like, well, we pick up we picked up a lot of characters and I don't know why they're here. Like, right. Like, yeah. It just kind of catches up on itself real quick. But uh, what else do I have here? Uh, I love. Do you love? Why was Willem Dafoe wearing fishing waders when he was in his hideout? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Because he was in some serious shit, like up to his knees. May like, like when Hallie was watching, she goes, cool. What? Yeah. Like, well, at first it was funny because in this situation, me and Hallie thought completely differently. She went, why is he wearing fishing waders? And I was like, why is he wearing something like a serial killer would like, he looked like something like he was hacking up meat or something like that. Yeah. And I was just like, oh yeah, I don't know why. Maybe it's because they were cheap. It's just rubber spandex is what he's wearing. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, like pleather overalls is what they look like if you don't know what fishing waders are. But yeah, that's what he's walking around the club in where uh, the straight guys are say, playing. So. I, like, I like that club. The club's no. got some good old... Uh, that's because you like old... uh, From Dusk Till Dawn and it's that club basically. Yeah, it's the PG version of that. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. So. Yeah, hell no. Music is good too. I like rockabilly music. 
Yeah, it's rockabilly. Uh, you walk in there, and they'll tell you they play both kinds of music, country and western, is what it looks like. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> um, but uh, that is the only the, that is uh, the only actual band, like full band that performs in this entire thing. There are songs by bands in this, but the Blasters are the band that is playing one of performing. Oh, one of their really? Songs. Okay. Yeah, that's the only group that actually is a group performing in this, like. You have uh, uh, Ellen Aim with her band, but that's not a band in real life. These guys are a band in real life. I think, I think from some of the information I read that the attackers actually are a band in real life, who are the ones that were doing the music for uh, fucking Diane Lane in the beginning. Uh, I saw some not, trivia. But that's not their song, right? Or their songs? No, the the person the the band that's uh, knowledge the finger like fire ink. Anyway, true, true. I do like uh, the Blasters. I'm gonna have to check them out a little bit more. I like their music. I liked both their songs that they played in their scenes at the Battery. One bad stud. Yep. Mm -hmm. How what about that bomb up torches. on the roof? Speaking of strong side characters, how about that homeless dude on the roof with the crazy hair? I know and the that just head? articulated perfectly. Like he didn't have like a drunk bum voice or anything. He's just like, Hey, what are you guys doing up here? You got a lot of guns, huh? It's like, <laughs> I was just like expecting it to be like played by Jerry Seinfeld or some shit. <laughs> so... Ed Begley Jr. I had to look him up because he looked him and the cop, the, the, the dumb, like, I guess he's a rookie cop just compared to the other mm. dude that was pulling everybody over. Cooley, the rookie cop looked like, like, um, somebody else that, we saw recently and has been in other things, but we recognize him recently from the, the, the series, uh, only murders in the building. Uh, it's it not like judge, person, but I, which might be that guy. I don't know. Um, yeah, but Ed Begley jr. Has been in other stuff as well. The, 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 the rooftop hobo. Um, yeah. Name sounds very familiar. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't write down anything he was in. I just wrote down his name cause I found his name quick enough, but yeah. So good little ending to that scene where it kind of puts Billy Fish in his place because they're just like, pay the guy for the information. He's like, at the end, he was like, I knew she was at Torchy's. And he, she goes, I am a shithead because he's the one that paid the guy. He's like, why did I pay him? Like, yep. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. A little uh, bit little bit of egg on the face, which is great. So, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, the plan was great too because it's like, it, it, the plan that happens when they're there, McCoy goes in and um, Tom Cody's up on the rooftop sniping dudes and he's with a Winchester rifle. It, <laughs> yeah, it's it's confusing again because it's like, OK, he's the hero because he's not killing people, but he's straight up shooting their gas tanks. So they may as well be dead if they don't have third degree burns. Already. No, oh, this um, is the Batman argument. This is the Batman yeah. argument. <laughs> well, I don't care. I'm just telling you how you started yeah. out by saying, like, he's the protagonist, but he just stole a car. So, you know, it's it's very, yeah. very strange. Or not did strange, you notice but, like back and forth anyway? He didn't really he didn't shoot anybody, but McCoy did, which she kind of had to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I thought I thought McCoy was going to die here. And I was like, I didn't realize when I watched it the first time, <laughs> I didn't know it was PG. I did mm -hmm. not know it was PG. So I was like, huh. And apparently there isn't the original version that they showed to people or to investors or whatever it is. Uh, it was an R version. Hmm. And the studio had to, they had to clean it up and all that. There was a lot of f bombs. There was a point oh, where yeah, the dancer in the bar, which was actually I think the backup dancer for uh, the main character in Flashdance, 
Uh, she just rips her shirt. Like, she does it in this version. She just takes her shirt off. But there yeah. was, like, a full front view of it and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and this is going to play into something I wanted to... Well, I can say it now. I I feel like Raven, Willem Dafoe's character is really good, but the stakes... The, final, it, the stakes were... I really feel like somebody had to die to show how ruthless he was. You like, mean him walking out of fire wasn't showing that enough? <laughs> he didn't kill anybody! He didn't kill anybody! He's supposed to be the bad guy! He's supposed to be the leader of this badass uh, motorcycle gang, which, by the way, this is back when motorcyclists all looked like Rob Halford from Judas I, Priest. So. Yeah, well, I think he's just a lazy gang leader because, like... He's incompetent, but doesn't not, people don't know it? Because it's like... Because I was thinking as I'm watching this, I'm like, this is almost a post-apocalyptic film. And it would be if, like, Willem Dafoe's gang went from town to town. But then I was like, no, that would mean that he would have to put forth effort to take over different areas and and claim different um, districts and stuff. So that's why he hasn't moved, because this place is such a shit town. There's no competition because everybody's just an idiot. Like, cops don't do anything. His his um his incentive is literally I stole this pop star because I want her to do stuff to gets a little questionable. Uh, thankfully, it doesn't get bit. too far. Um, but that's his whole motive is he just stole a pop star and he just wants her back. And it's like and at this and then he even says like I just want to fall in love with you for a little bit and then I'll let you go. It's like well that doesn't sound good uh, no matter how you slice it. But so like he's barely a threat you know um yeah i felt like the stakes weren't just high enough i felt like somebody needed to get kidnapped or maybe not killed but someone like the threat of oh shit like i guess that threat's kind of there because the The bikers would like rough up the town he's gonna keep coming back until he gets his ass handed to him even though he kind of already did with his club getting destroyed but whatever pretty easily too like they just kind of like walked in did what they needed to do and then walked out so yeah, there's no bouncers. There's no, you know, whatever. Um, but going back to that scene when he comes out in the fire, that's that's a pretty good scene. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's not bad. Oh, man, 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 man. But let's talk it's about more party members because uh, uh, yes. they get her and then they're party walking members. through like what I just called the red light district because it's lots of neons and some random girl spots Ellen Aim and knows she's a pop star because her music video is playing off in the distance. And then she just sure. like rolls up and she's like, What's up, guys? I know who you are. I'm a big fan, and I'm joining your shenanigans. Yeah. Also, that's the voice actor for Tommy Pickles from the Rugrats. So. <laughs> uh, I looked her up and found that she was uh, the voice of Buttercup from the Powerpuff Girls, so that was all I Yeah, about. she's that, too. But yeah, she's, I immediately she's knew. Lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I was. I think I was looking at my phone when this transition happened, and I heard that voice. I was like, what the fuck is Tommy Pickles doing in this movie? And I looked up. I was like, holy shit, it is her. So mm-hmm. I have her name here. I, I want to get Elizabeth Daly. Elizabeth Daly. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I don't know why. Daly. So <laughs> she's also in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, too. So. Yeah, that as well. Um, this is but, about the time where we got party members a little too quick, is what I feel like. Yeah, she joins, and then the Sorrells, they hop on this bus, and just there's this acapella barbershop kind of group hanging out. Uh, and one of the backup singers is one of the FBI douchebags from the first Die Hard movie. Johnson. I knew they looked familiar. Yes. Special Agent Johnson. Yeah. No, the other one. Um, but uh, <laughs> he's like of all the scenes that they're in, he's fucking trying to steal his time on screen, though. I will say that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, 
And and actually, when they like, I was kind of over how much of a bitch Ellen Aim was. That when they showed up, both Rachel and I were like, I just want to see their story now. Like, I want to see them ride along in this shit ass van trying to make it as a, a quartet of dudes. Um, oh, like right. I want their side well, they mission did eventually. So <laughs> yeah, hey, that's kind of that's not too far from how the fucking music business works. <laughs> um, so Being at the right place at the right time. Yeah, but that was and they they performed a song for them and I'm a sucker for acapella. I should make that clear if it if it's never been. Um but uh how about the way they take down that police barricade? Fucking whatever, right? Blast oh yeah, the police barricade. Way. Yeah, they're just like fuck this. I do mm-hmm. like again, I like Mick, Rick Moranis's character where he's just like, "All right, let's play my game. I'm going to give money and all this other yeah. shit." Yeah. And he's doing great until, surprise, these cops are definitely paid off by the bombers. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. they're not the cops for the district. They're not the good cops back in Richmond. They're the bad cops in, like, I forgot what district they were going through. Richmond is basically uh, Gotham City. <laughs> kind of, a little bit. It's got a little yeah. bit of, it's just like an amalg of, of a melting pot of generations is what it is. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're just like, oh, we'll blow it all up, take all their guns and keep on going. I do like that every time something big happens, Cody goes, we got to ditch the car. That's a very <laughs> smart move. Like in a normal movie, they just be in the they'd be in the bus the entire movie. You're just like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. Ditching everything left and right. Yeah. Um, This could totally translate into a fucking video game. But yeah. Uh, but that's the I thing, mean, I and, I, and I say that as a yeah, it's it's pretty much is yeah, it's been you could you could say this has inspired a bunch of different things, but that's why I like that the plot is barely existent because you don't need it. Like this is you know oh, you don't need it's it. all about the visuals, the music, well, yeah. and the performances. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ensemble. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at my uh, notes here to see what else is worth uh, mentioning. I, I said to Rachel <laughs> while we were watching this a second time, I was like. Man, it goes one of two ways, but you know we pick something good where I stop taking notes and just catch myself watching the movie. But that has yeah. gone one of two ways because it happened... I forget what it happened with that I was just bored with the movie, and then, but it did happen with this one where I was just like, I just want to watch it um, rather than take notes. So, uh, yeah. Uh, do we want to point out the one. fact that uh, Cody just uh, cold clocks... Uh, Diane Lane in the face. What the fuck? Closed fist. She wouldn't shut up. He he slapped the guy in the beginning and punched the main lady. Yeah. He punched his (laughs) ex. Which she then jokes about later. (laughs) Oh, my God. I Rachel did not like that. (laughs) And I fucking laughed because it was, I was, uh, uh, it's, it's inappropriate to an extent, but and even to the point, even if you just say it's the 80s, but it was like hilarious. And I think it was the, the it caught the me off fine, guard. <laughs> I think it was the fine amount of over the top because that's what this whole movie has been anyway. So um, it was not you. Could, I don't know. I don't know how else you could have shut her up. Like maybe if he dramatically kissed her in that scene or something, too. But uh, yeah. And McCoy was fine with it, too. She just she was just there to catch her. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, McCoy knew a, McCoy is a really good sidekick, like really yes. good. Yep, I yep. really like her, and I like her character. Holds her own. Uh, if this if this was made now, she would have had a spinoff comic series or something. Um, oh yeah, definitely. So, but uh, there's a kiss in the rain because it's a movie, and that's 
dumb. And it it was probably actually raining because there was a lot of weather issues whenever they were filming this movie. It was like rain, snow, combination gotcha. of both of them, all that shit. So yeah. Uh, what else do I have here? I have Willem Dafoe's facial expressions during that final fight. Boy, oh boy. You say boy. that like he only has them during that movie, or during that scene in this movie, but yeah. They're very prominent in that last scene. <laughs> yeah, they're, I mean, I've got one above me right now for uh, video mm-hmm. watchers. So, yeah, he... Also, let's talk... Because <laughs> when he pulled out, he pulls out railroad spike hammers. They're mm-hmm. not normal sledgehammers. They're used to nail down railroad mm-hmm. spikes. And... Yep. Thank God for the editing of the movie because if this one, I could, I imagined how bad if it was like a really bad B movie where it would just be one static wide shot of them just swinging at each other. But luckily, they threw in some. They might have had the editor from Taken because there was a lot of cuts here and there, but it worked in the movie's favor. It was hammer time. Uh, I hate the you. I'm leaving this podcast. <laughs> quick uh, behind the scenes video I found or interview or something. Uh, the um, Shoot, what is his name now? The main character, the actor's name. Michael Pere. Michael Pere. He said that it took two weeks to, or I'm sorry, four weeks to film Mm -hmm. that fight. Two weeks with just them and then two weeks with the stunt doubles. So, woof. Jesus. And there was no, there was a minute scene. There was music, but there was barely music, which is fine. It could have gone one of two ways. If there was no music, I would have been mad because that's like on par with robot jocks when the climactic fight between the hero and no music and the antagonist, yeah. there's just nothing happening. Um, mm-hmm. But no, there was a little bit, and I think it was okay that there was not, uh, with with comparatively to the other tracks in this film, I think it was okay that there was not an insane track playing behind this fight. So I do like, I like the, because at one point I was like, is this just going to be this hammer fight? Is that what this is going to be? Mm-hmm. And then there's a point where, uh, the point where Willem or uh, Michael Perry Cody, Tom Cody, knocks uh, Raven's hammer away, and he's just like, oh, I could kill him, but I'm not going to, and that starts the fist fight, and I was like, yeah, yeah. here we go, round two. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, just before that, though, uh, we didn't mention how everybody rolls in. Like, uh, Bill Paxton shows up, and he's the only one in the street with the cops as they're getting ready for this standoff that was essentially mm-hmm. organized and whatever, the high noon and um and then the whole fucking biker gang turns out and Bill Paxton's just like shit and books it but he doesn't book it just to just to wuss out he books it to come yeah. back with the town armed <laughs> so armed yeah. and dangerous so yeah 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 uh i do like how i don't like and i think it's cuz of the pg rating but he just pushes Willem Dafoe over and Willem Dafoe's like eh and falls on the ground cuz he's so tired yeah and i was like yeah, that's a very that's a very kid friendly way to end that fight. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think so, but at the same time, he's probably exhausted. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, if it was it, it, in an alternate, if there's an alternate ending, there's probably a shitty way that he like grabs the railway, the 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 railroad hammer, and like takes out a kneecap or something horrible, you know. But um, probably. for the sake of being, I think I think it's an amalgamation. Okay, take it as this. I think it's character progression, if anything, for Tom Cody, that he doesn't just straight up kill him at that point. Yeah, that and also I had seen that I think they originally had this uh, slotted as a trilogy. 
and maybe they were going to bring some of these characters back, uh, but because Man. it bombed so bad, that went down the shitter. So yeah, it could have been. I was interested to just see where Tom Cody and McCoy go. You know, I like the way it ends. I like yeah. how he doesn't go with the girl. You know, him and Billy Fish have an understanding. Uh, Big trouble in Little China ending. Yeah, totally. You know, absolutely. Yeah. So. It's good. I see that makes a lot more sense when they're like they were setting up for the even at the end of my first watch. I was like, oh, they set this up for a sequel big time. So, I mean, they did and they didn't because it is a fine ending that is not a cliffhanger because that's also how he he just rolled into town. He's just rolling out of town, you know? Yeah. So going on to his next adventure. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I really like this movie. So. <laughs> I can tell. Uh yeah, um, you don't strike me as someone that likes rock operas or musicals, but uh, this is a little bit different. Really? Really. I think I've gone on record saying that I enjoy, like, I actually enjoy Mamma Mia. Uh, Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny is technically a musical. I like this. I liked uh, Repo, the genetic opera. I haven't seen it in years, though. So I haven't seen that fully, or I didn't forget it. It's um, kind of up its own ass a little bit. So <laughs> I, I, That might be why I forgot a lot of it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Do we want to go in some of the factoids and the trivia, or you got any more notes you want to talk about? No, the only last, my last three notes here are, my last four notes, Sorrells are opening for Ellen now, Tom and Billy Fish make amends, one last kiss goodbye mm-hmm. to Ellen, that dumb bitch, leave the theater, McCoy rolls up and rolls up and drives off into the gross steaming street. <laughs> <laughs> with a mailman that just comes into frame yeah i was like is car. that gonna be I, I was waiting for like um um willem dafoe to like be in the side Sequel bait. of it like with a shotgun or something of the mail car that's following them yeah something like very, that yeah i like how she's like i just found this car abandoned in the middle of the road and it's the same car from the beginning so mm-hmm. <laughs> makes a lot so, of sense so yeah let's hit up them factoids now if you if you want to yeah uh one of the first ones i wanted to bring up and again we we find a lot of these factoids online we don't know how 100 percent credible they are so take grain of salt grain of salt updated by anyone's dog on imdb Uh, apparently michael perret who plays tom cody had a problem with rick moranis i'm gonna go through this long quote real quick so uh Mm -hmm. rick moranis drove me out of my mind this uh there's this whole wave of insult comedy in the real world if someone insults you a couple times you smack them or you punch them you don't do that on a movie set and these comedians walk around and they can say whatever they want i'm not just that hey i'm I'm just not that handy with that. Comedians are a special breed. They can antagonize you and say whatever they want, and you can't do anything to stop them. He's this weird-looking lo- uh, little little guy who couldn't get laid in a whorehouse with a fistful of 50s. <laughs> he would imitate me. The first thing he's, uh, he says to me is, do you just act cool or are you really cool? Uh, that was the first sentence out of his mouth to me in Joel Silver's office, and I was like, oh, this is not going to go well. But he was one of uh, Joel's dear friends, and he ended up making a bunch of movies for Disney. I just wasn't that sharp. I wasn't ready for that kind of crap. So, yep, that can you kind of you can kind of tell a little bit. I don't know if that unless well, they're just good mm-hmm. actors and they're it's portraying. Yeah, I wouldn't say you can tell. I can just I would say that after reading that, then it was probably easier for them to get into their roles, or at least Tom yes, Cody. Uh, sorry, yes, definitely, yeah. Uh, I was just when I was reading this, I was just like, you can, you can do something. You, you they don't just walk, or you can be like, hey, that's fucked up. Please don't say that. Talk to me like that. Mm, but <laughs> and, it's you when yeah, confrontation 
in Hollywood is hard. Boy, let me tell you. True. No. But it is like yeah, you tell me your ways, oh Scotty. <laughs> depending on like I, I've just the different things I've seen in interviews and behind the scenes of stuff and whatever, it really your job could be on the line if you say the wrong thing mm-hmm. to someone in the production that might know someone that knows someone and fucking which whatever. by the which like Michael says that he knew one of the guys that was basically in charge of the movie, so he didn't really want to haul off and smack him or anything like that. So yep, 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 yep. There is a. It's you know I mentioned we mentioned it's Christmas time and um uh the I forget if it was Macaulay Culkin saying it or um Joe Pesci, but there's a mention of Joe Pesci just straight up telling Macaulay Culkin to shut up on set and. Joe Pesci's like the kid was pampered. No one was going to say anything to him, you know. So ah, uh, yeah, right. But yeah, fair enough. Giving him a little dose of reality is what it is. So yeah, like he uh, he needed he didn't he needed it then, but he didn't need it after that. But anyway, he definitely doesn't need it now. <laughs> no, he's he's doing okay he's, though. Thank God he's doing better. So <laughs> somehow, yeah, um, definitely. This is another good uh, supposed yeah, factoid here uh, with Walter Hill. The uh, that the origin of this came out of him thinking, <laughs> fucking that he just like put all the things that he thought was cool when he was a teenager. Um, Basically, uh, custom cars, kissing in the rain, neon trains in the night, high speed pursuit, rumbles, rock stars, motorcycles, jokes and tucks situations, leather jackets, and questions of honor. Cool, dude. Honor. Yeah. The only difference is it's not in space for Star Wars. Huh? Basically, I was also going to say there was another. I don't know if I put it on here, but there was another factoid that after making the movie, Walter Hill was incredibly humble. He was like, it was harder than I thought it was going to be to make this movie. (laughs) Dude, he made a musical (laughs) and a fucking like uh, just setting up this world and everything is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And he had filmed things before and directed things before, but he he was going on record of saying, like, filming music stuff is a lot different than uh, filming just regular dialogue. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. It's weird. Let's Uh, see. Uh, Another one on here is... I can actually speak to that a little bit because I have done music videos. It sucks being a drummer, I'll tell you that, because you can't play emphatically to play over the track that's repeating over and over, but you have to keep mm. playing it like it's the first and only time you've ever played it. So it's it. I mean, it's a, it's another form of acting. I'm not saying I'm an actor, but yeah, music. You got to be on hard. every time. Yeah. Music videos are hard enough, so I can only imagine a whole scene and movie based around any of that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, most of the what was this more than 50 motorcycles and their drivers were featured as the bombers and they were chosen from real life L.A. based uh members of clubs like the crusaders and the heathens so a lot of those people were real real bike bikers i was real bike biking guys <laughs> yep god damn it whatever i don't care uh-huh. through this uh-huh. uh, uh yeah. obviously you get very western vibes from this movie too like you can just feel like i felt like that's what uh michael Perret's character looks like he looks like an amalgamation of Kurt Russell and Kurt Russell's son Wyatt Russell. Sure. Like if you look up, they like they look yeah, a lot alike. But I believe you. Um, but yeah, you could you, something bad happens. Some a family member sends out for help. The guy comes back into town. It's kind of like a Magnificent Seven kind of situation, a little bit feels like. So, Ugh. which Wyatt makes sense. Russell needs to figure out what he's doing with his hair. 
Last time I saw Wyatt Russell was in the movie Overlord, which was the World War II. Uh, it kind of felt like Wolfenstein without being actual Wolfenstein is what that movie felt like a little bit. Because there's like Nazi experimentations and stuff. So, Oh, yeah. It says he's an American actor and former ice hockey player. Yeah, he's got a face for hockey. So, (laughs) Scotty! (laughs) Apparently he was in the Falcon. Apparently he was in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm not sure. Who was he in that? I don't know. Uh, I can let you know if you want to keep talking about anything. Uh, sure. Uh, we can. Oh Jesus! Well... What are we talking about? He was well. Spoilers. He's the dude that plays Captain America and turns into U.S. agent. Da 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 da. He's a fucking oh, main character. Okay. So there you go. I didn't know that was him. That makes sense. They've got the same chin. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yep. They do. Moving on. That is true. Uh. Let me see what else we have here. Oh, m- talking more about the R rating. Uh, the film was originally rated R, but was edited to get Universal's desired PG rating. The film was screened for exhibitors as an R, and among the trims... Oh, yeah, I talked about this a little bit. Uh, number of F-bombs, Tits. removing her top, different ending, and with the credits rolling over Ellen's final number. Oh, so. wait. That had to do with it being rated R? Or that was just what was in the original cut? Maybe it was just an edit or something like that. Uh, and then a lot of reference. So they would have not had the final scene of him finding McCoy and leaving. Yeah, it would have just been her doing the performance in the scene or the credits rolling over it, which I'm glad. I want to see. I don't know if it's available, but I would love to see the R version. I would just like to see it just to, I don't know if it'll ever get released. I don't think it's on that Blu-ray. Ah, piss. You sure? At least Shop Factory is listing it. A oh, shop fact, a lot, the second, the first disc is really just the movie, and the mm-hmm. second disc is where the documentaries are and all the extra stuff. But it didn't say anything about the alternate ending or anything like that. So, okay, I'd like yeah. to check that out. So, but when mm-hmm. you're watching this movie too, you're just like, man, this movie really feels like Escape from New York, The Warriors, uh, Mad Max. It's a little bit of everything, and those were some considered influences for the film and all that stuff, which is funny because all that stuff influenced this movie, which this movie influenced so much shit going forward. It influenced video games. It influenced other movies. It influenced so much stuff. I mean, if we look at it, it's really, this movie might be one of the reasons why there's even a beat em up genre of video games. So, uh, maybe double dragon is kind of like, that was Double Dragon was like the forefronter for the beat 'em up genre in the beginning. Um, I'll have to check some timelines, but yeah, I think the arcade think version of that came out in '87. Well, yeah, one of the first beat 'em ups I think of, only because it was one of the first I played, is Golden Axe. So I don't know. Oh uh, no, that was '89. Yeah, so I'm gonna shut up. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because no. I was reading some of the stuff about uh, Double Dragon today, and Double Dragon is an influence for Golden Axe. So, yeah. But anyway, let's see what else we got on here. Uh, lots of musical truth. There's, by the way, there is a butt ton, butt ton of information about this movie out there. That's why I'm so happy to get those documentaries and watch them and see what's going on with them. So, right. Uh, I also wanted to bring up the fact that the movie is very what oh, I think a lot of the uh, reviews of it were Walter. Is it Walter Hill, the director? Yeah. Walter Hill is just very visceral with the way he does like visual storytelling. 
And you can tell throughout the entire movie, but there is a part, according to Andrew Laszlo, uh, the film's style was dictated by the story. The Richmond looks very soft and colors did not call attention to themselves. The light in the battery was contrasting and harsh with vivid colors and Argyle prints and plaids were used in the uh, Parkside district and neon lights color the strip, uh, which I'm guessing that's the red light district that we were talking about yeah. where we meet Tommy Pickles. So <laughs> Right. That was Andrew Laszlo, but you called him Andro Laszlo, which is a better name. <laughs> Andro Laszlo. Sorry, my bad. There's your Star Wars name, Andrew. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. Andro Laszlo. <laughs> uh, Andrew Laszlo. Apparently, but yeah, I mean, we... the first beat em up was 1984's Kung Fu Master, which was based on Hong Kong martial arts films. So take that as you will. Didn't matter yeah, in America I... where times were tough. Oh, God, here we go. So, <laughs> uh, freedom but no i guess do we get uh, we i forgot how we do the show do we go to our final verdict next <laughs> do we <laughs> nice yeah nothing for professional here with these hosts it's been a while since you if hosted. you come here for professionalism you've come to the wrong place daddy-o yeah so. so how many um boy what do we even what do we even give this thing like how what do you we give this four you... railroad uh railroad spike hammers out of five <laughs> yeah how many shots of tequila i don't know how many Bill Paxton pompadours you want to give this out of five you know I mean I said four but I'm gonna push a little bit closer to 4.5 shit we've almost got a perfect movie almost well I feel like if it was the R-rated version that I created in my head it'd be a perfect movie so <laughs> Man, what about you, you sir see those those transition swipes take it down a peg or maybe it pushes it over they're so fucking bad if they didn't have a sound yeah. that goes along with them maybe it is supposed to be a wavelength but it's vertical if it can't like it's and there's almost, like seven of them it's almost a star swipe in, in like with with star wars or something it's absurd. you could have just a regular fade out would have been better <laughs> like, Anything. yeah yeah i know it's hard it's a hard decision to have any type of transition that is not like you know, we we just watched mm -hmm. Memories of Murder. How there was suddenly a dead body and then steak Boom on food. a grill. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. those are good transitions. But it's just that it goes from that scene to that scene. Um, so no, this was really good. This was really fun to watch. Um, I very rewatchable. Yeah, very rewatchable. Uh, I'll probably watch it again. One, if not, sit down with all the bonus stuff for the, uh, or if just to watch yes. a better version, quality wise, of the Blu-ray thing on its way. Um, but yeah, I'd give it a. See, the only thing I've given a five out of five is Scream. So, what is this a five out of five? But does that mean Scream is not because it's not a musical? Think about that. Um, so There's a lot yeah. more factors that come into play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, nah, it's it's, uh, man, it's good. It there's a lot of good stuff, but I'll I'll say like a four, four point seven five or something because it's mainly that theme song more than anything. Just you know, it's, yeah. I I I have had very few strong recommendations. Fucking watch this movie. If you don't want to watch this movie, if you don't listen to us, that's fine. Fuck you. But listen to the theme song. Just look up the theme song. Go watch the trailer. The Dude, theme song the is the trailer. The trailer got us. Let's see if the trailer can get you too. Yeah, and also because... listen to the Proto Men. Just, just make your life better by listening to us, please, and our advice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I might have to get this. I've 
I mean, there's movie posters. I have a movie poster in my office right now, but this is a movie poster that I feel like I need. I've got two. Uh, I've got enough. Oh, Mr. Army of Darkness over here would be pulled down to put up Streets of Fire. So Whoa, I think uh, there you go, everybody. Well, we never said yeah. we actually we both went on record saying Army of Darkness is not that great. And we ended up not watching it. So what am I? Yeah, we had a, yeah who's to say fine. it's fine. Yeah. Uh, this movie. No, this movie. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's not a perfect movie, so I can't give it a five out of five. I can't. Did I give anything a five out of five? I can't remember. I don't think, I don't think, you think, I've, been, I don't think I've given anything out of five, five out of five. We haven't kept track of any of them. So I don't know. Maybe you should actually oh, since great. you're going through each episode. I'm not kidding. Like maybe you should jot down what we give these just to have that uh, in the first four episodes we didn't do that so <laughs> that's fine because we we just said either watch it or don't basically in the in the early days yeah basically mm-hmm. the early days uh so no this movie it's it's fantastic like i have it on dvd i'm gonna have a, the blu-ray version i would show this to i guess that's one of the good reasons why it is pg because i could just show it to anybody like, except it's, for, like, the one scene where you kind of get a little bit of a bottom nip. It's, it's an 80s PG, though. So Yeah, but mind. it's not as bad as an 80s PG movie could be. I suppose, yeah. It's not an Because there's not one movie. F-bomb. Right, there's not. And usually in an 80s PG, you got one F-bomb and at least one boob show. And what they did with this one is they showed the bottom of two boobs. So it equaled one boob. So <laughs> they, got a, they got around works? it. Speaking of rating systems... There it is. So, uh, no, definitely pick it up. Uh, it's not, like I said, if you just want to stream it, it's on YouTube, it's on Amazon, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh, like I said, I think the YouTube version is the, it might be the 2K version that is on the Blu-ray. Not sure, because it looked mm-hmm. considerably different than the 2003 DVD version. But mm-hmm. it's very good. If you want to see where a lot of big stars started off, uh, you can see this one. If you like musicals, it's going to be right up your alley as well. Uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to say, not the whole title of the movie is Streets of Fire, a rock and roll fable is what it's called. <laughs> I don't think that's the title. I think that's just the tag. Hey, it says it on the DVD and it says it in the movie. Because it says right. Streets of Fire, it says a rock and roll fable. Okay. Look, rest in peace, Meatloaf. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. Surprised um, he wasn't in this. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, he does have a song called Streets of Fire, though. I had to look up, or I'm sorry, not Streets of Fire, um, Nowhere Fast. Because I had to double check if oh, Nowhere yeah, that's Fast. True. Well, I had to double check, actually, if the Proto Men had done a cover of Nowhere Fast. And I couldn't find one in my quick search. I could be wrong. Who knows? Um, but yeah. Uh, no, I would have remembered this song. The first time I ever heard this song was when we watched the trailer. And I was just like, oh, God, it's so good. Like, it's it is like a, a song that it's I nothing built original, out to. but it is great. So just because it's, it's very good. Yeah. It's um, very sing alongable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I still don't know the words except for darling, darling. But uh yeah, the uh I was gonna read the chorus, but I, I forgot it now. Anyway, that's okay. It's what Godspeed. <laughs> that's not the chorus, that's the outro. Uh you know I don't know the fucking music. So. <laughs> I don't know them music terms. The chorus of this we put is country and western where I've come from. So <laughs> Oh, that's not it. Hold on. That's not it either. Let me, I can find it just to uh, leave everybody on. Uh, yeah, that's so the what we're going to do. Uh, that um, uh, you and me were going nowhere slowly, and we've got to get away from the past. There's nothing wrong with going nowhere, baby, but we should be going nowhere fast. Anyway. Pretty good. Uh, that, so that was the first part I learned. So Next episode, uh, I am Uh-oh. 
I am Drum in power roll. and picking because it will be around my birthday. So I've decided, you know, I've got some favorite movies. I've got some favorite things that we've talked about, maybe talking about. But instead, I decided to go with something a little bit different. So we're going to be watching the pilot of the 1995 classic, Sliders. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yes! How long is the pilot? An hour and a half, sir, as with most pilots. What? Oh my god, you're right. It was like a full... They, when they did pilots back then, it was like a fucking movie. That's right. That's right. The first episode of Firefly is like technically three episodes, but it's just the pilot. Okay. But sliders. I'm in. Yeah, so it's on Hulu... Or, I'm sorry, it's on the Roku app channel thing for free. Okay. It splits it into two, so it was confusing. I wanted to double check that I wasn't going to make you pay for this. Um, okay. But uh, this is a show that I have talked about with people, and if they have recognized the I know name a little or the bit show, about sliders. Uh, it's been like, holy shit, let's have a conversation. Not on the same level as MST or anything, but just one of those no. things. Um, it, it was uh, the only the only thing Jerry I'll give uh, to uh, um, yeah Jerry O'Connell, John Rhys Davies, uh, but Sabrina Lloyd. Um, this was a Sci-Fi Channel Friday night. TV series to give you people an idea. Another one of those was, was on Fox, started on Fox, went to sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, a lot of the, stuff did that on the Roku channel app, whatever. Um, it is split up into two episodes, but they're both called pilot. It was confusing. So I had to make sure that yeah. it is, but they're it about just, 45 minutes each. It, yes. It just stops it at a, at a fade out and then it kicks in. Thankfully you'll get to see the awesome theme song intro. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're going to watch Sliders, the pilot of Sliders. So that doesn't mean we're going to start watching the whole series or anything because it's got like five or six seasons. I forget. Um, but we've also not it, done that before. We haven't watched a portion of a TV so show and it would be the same true. as watching like three episodes of a 20 minute show or something. Well, it's like it's like, well, no, uh, Fire Inside or what's the what's the Twin Peaks movie? Uh, Shit. You, because you asked me, I have forgotten it. <laughs> um, but it's different than that. It's not because the movie came me. after. Firewalk with Firewalk with me. Because the yeah. movie came out after a, the first couple seasons. So it's a little bit different than this situation. So, yeah, sure. I haven't f fucking watched Sliders in probably two decades. So let's do it. Hell no, you haven't. I'm, I'm, wait. Firewalk with me came out in 92. Uh, I had to double check. Show came out in sure. 90, right? I don't remember. I think um, it did. Maybe. Because I think the first two seasons are all about that storyline. Could be. Uh, it might be one of those things like Serenity to twi to twi to twi to twi Firefly. The Twilight? Yep. <laughs> Can we end the show? Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, we should probably wrap this up. So. <laughs> but that's what we're going to do next time. Yeah, Firewalk with me to come out after Twin Peaks already started. So next time is Sliders the Pilot. Remember, if you're getting a little bit static... Don't touch that dial because you are right where you need to be. The static zone. I'm not doing it this time because you're making me watch sliders. <laughs> if anybody listens in real time, Corey's going to be at MAGFest. I might be still up in the air. That's all. I'm cutting it. <laughs> all right. I almost hung up the call instead of stopping the recording. Whoops. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm I might out. keep that now. All right. Now I'm keeping it. <laughs> you, you saved it. Mm. Hold on. Wait one second. We forgot something pretty damn important. So, Scotty, take us away. 
Whoa, record scratch noise. Um, yeah, what's up, guys? This is Future Scotty and Future Corey. Continuity. Look what showed up in the mail the day after we're done. Pretty neat. Streets oh, of Fire on Blu-ray. Uh, <laughs> no, that didn't happen. But no, um, we wanted to, since it's the last episode of the year, we wanted to do a quick thank you for an awesome 2022, because the year has sucked in other areas and whatever. It, all, it, it always does somehow, right? So, But we wanted to thank you all for um, those that are active in the Discord now, uh, recommendations that you've given us through, um, you know, your ears, your opinions, your feedback overall. And also thanks to our guests that we've had thus far, Chirito and Graham and Nick. And want to let you guys know we appreciate all of you. And we've got some cool stuff uh, planned for 2023. And... Yeah, but with Static Zone being a little more involved in our lives now, we wanted to make sure to end the year on positivity. And also along with that, rather than playing the trailer at the end of this thing like we always do, we're just going to end it with the Streets of Fire anthem, Nowhere Fast, since that's great energy and a great way to end a year despite the name. <laughs> I'm glad you reminded me, because uh, I'll put that in the video when I finally get to this one. So. Yeah, audio, it'll just play through. Video, it'll be in the description. You know how it goes, guys. But uh, you will see yep. these videos eventually. Uh, do you have anything to add to that, Corey? Nope. Uh, thanks for listening to us, and uh, thanks for giving us a reason uh, or a scapegoat to be like, hey, let's watch movies, then we got to talk about them. So we appreciate you, and uh, we'll see what the next year has in store. Yeah. I signed an NDA. I can't say anything. Thanks for not touching that dial. Uh, Uh. (laughs) All right. I think we're good. Yep, that's good.